SS for short. SS. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> S squared. Uh, yes, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Rum Ham and Wild Cards. This is a podcast about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. We are talking about the best and the worst that the gang has given us over the years, over all the seasons of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Each episode, we're going episode by episode and discussing what we like, what we dislike, about what the gang has had to offer us over the years, all the jokes, all the quotes, everything. My name is Brayden Pleggencool. Uh, I'm not alone in this adventure. I got some great co-hosts with me. Donnie, say hello to the wonderful people out there. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Donnie Crunkleton. We got Adam Rothbord joining us. Hey, guys. How's it going? Excited to talk about my favorite show, It's Always Sunny. And uh, the delicious dish of the day, shrimp scampi. Beak! We, we don't need to order beak. It's okay. We can get shrimp scampi. So the four of us today are going to be talking about season one, episode one. But every episode, we're going to be discussing the episode of the day. We're going to be going in chronological order. But we're not going to be alone in this. It doesn't stop here at this table. Online, feel free to let us know uh, what you think about your favorite episodes, uh, your least favorite episodes. Let us know what you think about this episode that we're about to discuss right here. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter at alwayssunnypod or email us at alwayssunnypod at gmail.com. So by the end of this podcast, what we're going to do is we're going to have the ultimate fan ranking of Sunny. We're going to have every episode ranked, including what the fans think. So we're going to have a couple lists by the end of it. That's a whole bunch of logistics. Let's uh, get to the fun stuff right away. First of all, let the people know who you guys are. Guys, when did you first discover It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? How long have you been watching this show? Let's uh, prove to the listeners real quick that we're just not some schmucks talking in a circle here. Well, for me personally, it started off in eighth grade. I had a history teacher who was a big fan of this show and we would talk about it all the time in class. And he was the one who made me watch more and more of the show. Um, He's also someone who got me introduced to like rock and roll and psychedelic music which is kind of weird for a history teacher, but it's kind of awesome. But it was one of those things where everyone talked about the show with him because um, he was a big fan of the show as well. How old was this man? 30 or something. And how old were you? Was was he like sitting on the desk? Did he like throw the dictionary in the trash? Was he like... No, not like that. It's just he he would... Um, I don't know. He was a stoner. Books, what are these things? He was a stoner history teacher for sure. And that's what I, I would like to be, I guess. But... I started watching this show because um, all my friends watched it in school, and then that's about it. I'm putting that down for corrupting yeah. America's youth. No, no, no. It was great. <laughs> the corruption of America's youth. Uh, what about you, Donnie? When did you first start watching, Sonny? Uh, I first started watching, I want to say it was like my sophomore year of high school. A couple friends, same idea, gave me the idea that the show was hilarious. They were reckless. That's one of the themes we're going to discuss here in season one, episode one. The gang gets racist. Let's jump into the good stuff here, guys. Uh, this episode came out August 4th, 2005, directed by John Fortenberry, who you might know from A Night at the Roxbury movie. He also did a few episodes of Arrested Development, which is also uh, another show that we could probably do a podcast on if I had to. The episode was written by the boys Rob McElhenney and Charlie Day, of course. So if you've just seen this episode or it's been a while since you've seen it, let's just go over it real quick. The gang is introduced to Terrell who is a friend in Dee's acting group. Uh, He gets hired to promote the bar. And when Charlie quotes Terrell verbatim using a rather unfortunate word choice, the waitress thinks he's racist. So Charlie then unknowingly, unintentionally uses Terrell's sister 
to. Oh, he knows. He doesn't, he just, uh, uh, he doesn't understand, though. He, he, he didn't know that it was Terrell's sister at the time, yeah. Because, you know. clear. When you say your sister, do you mean your sister or your friend, too? I mean my sister. So, let's talk about this season, guys. Because I think out of any way a show has started, next to House of Cards starting out with Frank snapping a dog's neck, this is probably one of the more intense ways a show has ever started. Gang getting racist. Well, they go right out the gate with just, these are the factors of the show. This is what we're going to give you. This is how we're going to present you our our comedy, our... To them, they just went right out the gate and it was explosive as hell. I, I do want to say that when you... It's hard for me to watch the first episode again after knowing the rest of the show because all these characters are so different from what I remember them later in the show. Like, D is a normal person right out the gate, too. Well, I feel like that's with any epic. Like, with any yeah. long-running season tell... I mean, like, I'm sure the people out there who are, you know, have, like, two or three brain cells and enjoy Friends will tell you the same <laughs> thing about those... That show. That's true, but this is more of an extreme, of course. I mean, Dee is like, she's, a, she's like the voice of reason in this well, episode. One of the things we're going to have to try and avoid to do while we're doing this series is comparing later episodes to newer episodes. We're going to have to talk about the episodes for what they are. So I wanted to touch roughly on the interesting thing about the gang is that their miseducation and the fact they're uneducated is the, re- the reason they get themselves in these situations. It's not like they're blatantly hateful they're more just innocently stupid they're truly ignorant yeah the characters themselves are not blatantly racist i think more of what i was trying to say is the show the writing itself they made the characters be portrayed as blatantly racist yeah well none of the racism is really overt except you know charlie uses the hard r right right. um so i think a lot of it hinges on the subversive racism like the i guess what people would call microaggressions and they kind of highlighted that in that comedic aspect. I said you people quite a lot. They do bring that up. They... But again, ignorantly. They don't understand. They, they, they're they literally ignorant of wh- why that's bad. Yes! Okay, this is great. Because earlier, you were implying that I was racist because you thought that I was implying that all black people are related. And then it turns out that you people actually are. Yeah, they really don't understand why saying that is derogatory or a bad thing. They're literally just saying you people standing right there like... These people at the table talking about a podcast. Which is one of the great things about this show is it takes it takes that uh, Mm -hmm. real life perspective and it throws it into these characters that you wouldn't think are capable of existing in real life and uh, shouldn't necessarily (laughs) exist in real life. You can make the argument for, I'd say. It's like an anti sitcom. It takes all of your expected ideas about what a sitcom is or what a sitcom character is or what the usual like family nice plots of like the 90s sitcoms and it turns it on its head this show and yeah I, I also think it's interesting that the group of friends all individually are narcissists normally in a group of friends you have that one or two friends where you think they're narcissists and everything's about them but when it comes to the gang it's literally every single one of them makes it all about themselves at all times i think that's largely part of the sort of um improv comedy style so they can always like keep talking about something because every single character is trying to like be the one on top so they can take a situation or take a joke and just keep making it go further and further Mm -hmm. yeah each character has their own goal and you know in improv classes you'll see your own character has a goal and you have to do what you can to get your character's goal and each of these characters have their own goal they have to get to no matter what 
That's a constant factor in most of these plots of Sonny, at least in like the best plots of Sonny, is that each character has their own driving motivation in the plot. And then the very best plots are the ones where they all come colliding together and in in a in incredibly hilarious fashion like in uh the next episode we'll discuss mm. i really like the way all those plots come together mm-hmm. but in, in this one you see it in a very basic sense where d's plot collides together with charlie's plot in a very hilarious way but you you can you can get these individual motivations but there's also the group motivation I want to talk about here because I think it's interesting that the the gang is willing to be accepting of like for example being a gay bar when it means they're going to make like way more money hand over fist. They they don't really have a lot of convictions in this episode and they prove it. I don't have any convictions. <laughs> they really <laughs> so, they set the bar yeah. so low in the beginning. Which is good because it 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 doesn't require the audience to have to suspend much of their disbelief in a way. They're just like, okay, these guys suck. Let's go with it. And that's what this episode does for me, at least. I mean, going back to a previous point where we were talking about, um, you know, intentional versus unintentional sort of racism or xenophobia or, you know, closed-mindedness, I think that you see a lot of groups of individuals who, you know, will say that, you know, they're not racist or they're, uh, you know, they are not xenophobic. But if you, like, look at their friend group, like, if you look at the gang's friend group, it's all, it's like four white people, five white people. So if you look at these people's friends groups, you find out they're not friends with anyone who's um, not white. So it's really, I, th- I think that's really interesting. I think that was a point that they were trying to get across. Yeah, that really brings it back to the real life thing. I think there's been studies on race groups and people's friends groups, and it finds that, you know, most people's friends groups, very rarely do they mix races. So you get these real life examples of people not necessarily having many non-white friends, if any. So it's not that they're intentionally, Mm -hmm. again, trying to offend Terrell by asking whether or not his sister is actually his sister, Mm -hmm. but they're just, you know, woefully miseducated. Again, I think it goes back to them making fun of other sitcoms because I know you said not to compare shows, but you mentioned Friends. I mean, Friends. comparing later dates. No, no, no. Compare shows. Yeah. Compare to other shows. So, uh, I think Shrimp Scampi, you mentioned Friends earlier. Um, think about that. I'm I... sorry for that, by the way. No, it's I didn't fine. Mean no, to. it's understandable. F- Friends it. free. We get it. Okay. Um, but that show is famously about just a bunch of white people hanging around in a coffee shop. White people and ignore 9-11 in New yeah, York. For, yeah, that's, that's a weird plot uh, hole. But no, I think that this episode maybe not maybe not overtly or like in a foreign fashion will talk about friends but again it's an extra anti-sitcom character that they have in terms of we see shows that don't have many black characters as a main character right or on the show you just see a group of white friends hanging out this show is just like it's like this is not the sitcom where or we'll address it they're kind of self-aware of the fact that that's what this show is I mean, maybe maybe for 2005, maybe I was making more of a reference to real life, how people's uh, friend groups in real life might not necessarily span outside their own race. Yeah, I mean, you see individuals and they're, you know, perfectly normal individuals and they don't claim to hold any racist views and they don't outwardly act like they hold racist or xenophobic views. Mm -hmm. But if you look at like the people they hang out with, um, it's the same, you know, 
It's yeah. a cream, sh- cream of wheat. Using um, the show like Friends as a, an example of that in a sitcom. Yeah, what you were saying with like the real life example is just people are naturally attracted to people m- most similar like you. Yeah. And based on your upbringing and your parents and all that, a lot of time races are more similar to each other than they are to other races. Hence why we have Chinatown in Vegas and they have Chinatown in Chicago. And there's always specific towns where even Jewish people tend to live or certain races or religions tend to just stick with their own naturally, not based on what you were saying, being against any choices. Whoever's listening to this right now <laughs> did not expect a social deconstruction of no, race. No, not at all. <laughs> and, and, um, <clears throat> but no, I mean, it's, it's a very fair point because there are a lot of episodes in Sunny that we're going to talk about here where there's a message, much like South Park, much like South Park, where there's a message that they want to convey and sometimes they'll use sarcasm but you know always humor because it's a comedy show i think bringing it back to you know everyone keeps saying 2005 the year came out in 2005 Mm -hmm. in 2005 i think that's when besides for that i think that's when there's this sort of cultural consciousness in america between the words african-american and black because i think in the 1980s uh it started where people um I, I don't know exactly who. I can't trace it, and I'm not Googling I think it was the NAACP. What? Who got who changed it to African American? Changed what? Um, the color, like the the terminology. What terminology? I don't know enough about any of this to even begin. Yeah, I'm not going to chime in I, on this one, but I'm just saying no, it's, in it's, the it's, show, it's funny how they struggle with African American versus black. They also like, struggle whether or not. Whether or not uh, they should say you people, you people, mm-hmm. they that's another good say one. You people, you people, too. yeah. I think that's though. It's kind of like a first judgment thing. Like if I walk up to someone, you you would look at me and you'd say I'm white, but I could be Italian, I could be American, I could be Russian. You're definitely not Until Italian. Until you talk to me and really like get to know someone, you don't know that. Oh, so, so I think, you're exotic white bread. Yeah, exotic. If oh, you want to call it that, that's American. <laughs> American. America. But I think that's where people get crossed up is. They're scared to use the term black, but that's just how you see someone. If you don't know anything about them, I feel like it's almost more offensive to say they're African or they're African-American because you don't necessarily know that. I was sitting at a table with um, a few friends of mine who are from Germany, and they were saying that in Germany, um, you, you're you not supposed to say Schwarze, which is the yeah. you know, German term for black. You're supposed to say Farbig, which is like colored. Oh. So like the accepted term there in Germany is like the individual is colored. Right. But if you said that no, here, yeah, that's, that's absolutely, that's it's a hard right. no. What's right. Germany's track record with um, with human rights? Um, I think I actually, I think Donnie actually. <laughs> Can we pull up the scoreboard? I think scoreboard. Donnie. <laughs> I think Donnie actually owes me $5. Him and I have had a side bet about how long it would take before any of us mention Germany, and it's, what, it's been like 20 minutes in or something like that? that. (laughs) Did we actually have a side bet, or did you make that up? Well, you owe me $5 regardless of what happened. Back to the show. Let's let's bring this back to the show here. Let's talk about some of the details in the show. We haven't even talked about the gay aspect of the show, like that part of the story. That's what I was about to bring up. A few notes about that is when he's talking to them in the beginning. He's giving you crazy eyes. The insane crazy eyes, right? I know that. So I walk over to this guy, right? He's this big cut Mexican dude. And I look at him and I say to him, yo, essay. Unless you want to get your ass torn apart, you better get that look off your face. <laughs> no. 
You just walked right up to him and said that? I had to, man. You got to make the first move. Always make the first move, you know what I'm saying? I, I know. So <laughs> badass. Well, what happened? Well, hey, he won't stop staring me down, right? We're like eyeball to eyeball. His grill is right up in mine. It feels like an eternity, son, right? Finally, he just opens up his mouth and says, I guess you're going to have to throw my ass apart, Holmes. Oh, man. Well, so what'd you do? Took him to the back alley. And I tore his ass apart! Oh my god. <laughs> I noticed that Mac says, I would love to do things like that. Yeah. Right, right at the end of it. And Dennis is the only one really picking up on the innuendo, so Mac clearly doesn't know what he's saying. But I, I thought that was great. There's there's a, a, great scene. a couple of references to Mac possibly being gay right off the bat, I noticed. And one of them is when his cousin brings it up when the bar's popping and he says, Well, I'm really proud of you, man. Yeah, thanks. You've come a long way. What do you mean? You guys are running the hottest gay bar in Philadelphia. You're running the hottest gay bar in Philadelphia now. I thought that was him basically saying you're, you were an evangelical dick before, but now you're like cool and accepting and running the hottest gay bar in philly what'd you guys think of that i mean that isn't line? that the the point of the the character like the more you know homophobic and closed off you are the more that you actually hold those feelings that's like a common trope that you hear about but, all sorts of different people yeah on the internet like that um, reverend what reverend i don't know his name but oh. he was like super anti like homosexuality but it turns out he was gay on the side that guy. He was famous. I don't know his name. Bob. You can't say that guy. There's like... Those people. I, yeah, those on. you I people. I bet that there's more than one. I didn't call him you people. I said that guy. Those guys. I, I don't think that they were referencing Max, like his future homosexuality, because I don't know if they were planning it this early in the show, but I think they were just more talking about his insecurity with like just doing well in life in general, because he's always wanted to... He's always strived to be like a good bouncer, like a strong man, and I think that's what they were also getting at here. I, I don't know. I don't know if they had this this idea in mind that he was going to be gay. I don't think his original plan was to be the best bouncer. I think the gang, as a group, their whole collective plan was to make the bar successful at first. Was to make Patty successful at first, which is hilarious because if you go back and catch, there's a line where Dennis mentions that he could start doing the bar full time if they would make money like they did every night like he doesn't work at the bar full time yeah he clearly and he has no owns job. it yeah. he doesn't yeah it, not only does he have no other job but he's doing the bar part time and it's and he's his a part place. owner oh, and yeah, he's that, a part owner a which too. is why d doesn't get a vote which i still am slightly confused as to why or how d doesn't own the bar at all she just got stuck into bartending and working with them well, it seems like it's because she's like in acting classes, right? right? So it's like that common stereotype of like, is there anyone here? You're the you're the the worldwide Adam. You're the worldwide expert on Friends. You love that show. Of course. You watch an episode every single night before you go to sleep. Two, is, two is anyone in that show an actor or? Oh, Joey, of course. He's like a failing actor, and that's a funny joke. Uh, I guess he's failing. They made a whole sequel about it. Yeah, which is stupid, but. Yeah, he's, he's an actor. Well, to be show. fair, the original was stupid. The original too. was terrible as well, but that's that's this not what we're talking about. This is a podcast about it's always sunny or just bashing friends because I'm down for either. But. <laughs> so anyway, as I was saying, Dee doesn't own the uh, bar because she's working there part time while she's trying to be an actress. That would make sense. So it was more of that. so you guys think it was more of a mutual decision. It wasn't just uh, Dee, also you they can't don't respect the her. I was about to say, do you think it's more of her choice or do you think it's more of they didn't let her? 
at all even choose well, to own the bar. I know I just said I don't want to compare this to later episodes, but knowing what we know about later episodes right. and how little they respect her, it's believable that these earlier episodes, they wanted to set up this Mac, Charlie, and Dennis over D superiority complex, I think. I don't know if that was their plans exactly or if the fan responses, like the responses that people gave to the various episodes caused them to do that. Like if, you know, a few thousand people watched the first episode and they're like, these are the things I like and these are the things I don't like. And one of those things was the gang shitting on D. Um, And another thing that everyone liked was, you know, Dennis being a little creepy. Like they thought that was entertaining. So then Dennis evolves from fan responses. I mean, I don't know. I don't have the aggregate data on that, so... We're going to have to get the aggregate data and do better research on future <laughs> episodes, I suppose. But we'll get it. Let's talk about what Frank would do. Because if uh, you don't know anything about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and you're listening to this, Frank Reynolds joins the gang in season two. Uh, Frank Reynolds played by the amazing Danny DeVito. Is there a story behind that? There, oh, you yeah, know? there is actually, yes. Danny DeVito's son, I believe, was a fan of the show. And he got a hold of watching it and was like, this is great, and reached out. And I guess one thing led to another, and uh, suddenly your dad's a main character on one of the shows you like. Yeah. Also, after season one, FX came to them, and they were very adamant about getting a well-known actor, a well-known superstar. And, and clearly that's not what Rob and Charlie, that's, they didn't want that at all. They wanted to do their own thing. FX was so adamant. So I think that tied into what you said is they found Danny DeVito, who was – and they allowed him to play the role because it's Danny DeVito and who doesn't love Danny DeVito. FX wanted the... FX wanted, wanted a the, m- more well-known okay. star to promote the show and to make it more official and a bigger show. Weren't they going to pull the plug on the show at first? Yeah, after season one. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what I think happened is they Trying were going to gonna pull the plug it. unless you bring in a star and try and it pick it up, and it did. Well, that's another... Clearly, yeah, uh, 13 seasons later, 14 seasons. That's another well-known... Yeah, 14 seasons. 14 seasons Well-known now, yeah. fast fact of Sonny is everyone who has kind of seen the show a couple times knows that the first few episodes were cheap, cheap, cheap. The budget was rumored below $100. Uh, I believe this episode that we're talking about right now, season one, episode one, which is the pilot... But not the original pilot. The original pilot is Charlie Has Cancer. Those cost around $150. Charlie Has Cancer, I believe, they say cost below 100 which is insane if you've ever made anything ever. So what would Frank do? Let's talk oh, about I'm torn what with Frank that would one again. Because uh, I know he loves banging whores. Whores. So the gay bar, I don't know if he'll be on board with it, but he does like his money. No, I think he would. he would say something along the lines of like, you know, back in the day, we we didn't get white, black, gay, straight. We were we were banging everyone like he would something like that. So, yeah. and, I can you know, see he'd that. He'd get gross with yeah. it. He'd get like really, really vilely detailed. Maybe I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, it's really hard to say. I think he'd go along with it. I think he would. I think he just loves loves the money. No, I think actually, I think when they went to the Black Student Union. And they walk up, and uh, Mac bones. walks up and says, Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I think if Frank was there with them, I think they would have taken to Frank. Like, I think Charlie and Frank together would have, would like, have. clicked with them, and they mm-hmm. would have, like, by the end of the episode, been a part of their group. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So let's rank this son of a gun. Let's talk about the ranking system first. We're not going in this willy-nilly because reason will prevail. Reason! 
Jason will prevail. We got a few categories here. We got overall humor, quotes, characters, the story, and the wild card spot. Uh, each of these you can give up to 10 for a total of up to 50 points. And then we're going to combine and average our scores and do a bunch of stupid math and uh, throw it onto what we are calling the list of lists. So, gentlemen, we're going to start here with overall humor of the episode. I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10 because uh, I think this is, you know, a great way to start out. It's always sunny. I think there are some classic sunny moments you know, some casual racism and using the LGBTQ community for financial gain, which is totally a capitalist move. But um, I still think it's relevant today. Not my favorite, but, uh, you know, still pretty funny. 6.5 out of 10. What do you guys think? Overall humor. Hard four. Hard four? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, you, tell me, you tell me I can't compare, but that's all my heart wants to do. I just want to dance. I just want to dance and compare every episode. And I, I don't know. I just don't think that this one was that funny. Like, it, yeah, it certainly got me hooked when I, because I, when I first saw it, um, you know, I think I was, you know, around Donnie's age in high school. And it was definitely like, oh, this is, you know, this is funny. I ain't never seen anything like this before. Let's watch some more episodes. But it's just not that funny. Like, there are episodes, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Nothing to do with production value or anything like that 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 have me laugh in a way where I've never laughed before just that sort of raw laughing for 10 minutes and you can't stop and anytime you think about it you keep laughing and that is one of the only shows on television that can do that to me so yeah I'm gonna give this episode a hard four I mean you know if you've seen funnier stuff you've seen funnier stuff what do you think Adam for me I think the overall overall humor of this episode I'm gonna give it an eight it it made me laugh, um, probably one of the most out of any pilots I've seen uh, for any show. Um, for me, they just go out. They they just say the most explosive lines. Like when Charlie goes hard R, he doesn't have to, but it's 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 you don't expect it, and that makes me laugh a lot. Um, just the the entire plot in general, just how their plot lines go together, how Charlie is trying to get with the waitress and uses one part of the story to do that. It just, the entire story makes me laugh in general. So, All right, the hard R makes Adam laugh. What do you think, Don? Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. I think if we go with what Shrimp Scampi was saying, if you really did compare to later episodes, I might knock it down to a six, but considering this was the pilot first episode I've ever seen of It's Always Sunny, for them to just come out and be quote-unquote blatantly, obviously not blatant to them, but written blatantly, racist and like adam said dropping the hard r and then the storyline itself they had they had a good plot where it wasn't just random jokes everything they played in well and i think it was written funny i think you guys all brought up good points for that i do want to bring it back to the fact that i think the humor is still relevant today and i stand by that but i think shrimp scampi has some good points if we're going to consider the potential that this show has, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit too generous, but I'm going to stand by my 6.5. Let's talk about the quotes of this episode because I'm going to stand firm on a 7 out of 10. I think there's a solid handful of really just funny lines that are said in passing. D saying to uh, Dennis, you're not gay, you're just really, really vain. That's that's one that just kind of gets lost in passing, I think. What do you, what do you think? 
Let's start with Donnie on this one. Uh, quotability, I gave it a seven. Like you were saying, I think they did have some really good quotes. I think especially establishing the characters, like with Charlie, he comes across as not a complete idiot. But if you really dissect what he's saying, he's still not the brightest. Like one of my favorite quotes was him was when they were deciding whether or not to have the gay bar and they were making money. They say that it's not about the money. And Charlie says, maybe you did it to get laid. I got a little something I like to call business ethics. If you define what business ethics is, it has nothing to do with making, making money, money or anything like that. So he, he likes to sound yeah. smart, but he's not really saying anything that has value. And that's why we're sponsored by Audible. <laughs> Business <laughs> ethics. <laughs> Not sponsored yet. Not yet. Uh, for quotes, I originally had an eight, but after hearing what you guys have been saying, I kind of want to drop that down to a six, honestly. What? Yeah. Wow, that, let's hear your reasoning for that. Don't let us badger you around. No, it, <laughs> it's, mean... it's now that I'm thinking about it, there's yeah. only two quotes in this entire episode that I like or that I think are really funny, and they're not that strong. Except the last one, my favorite is when Max says, Absolutely. That always gets me. That <laughs> always gets me. Because it's so awkward and I, you can feel it. And it's it, that cringy stuff makes me laugh. One of those quotes better be... First thing we got to do is get rid of these shamrocks. Because nothing scares gays and black folks like Irish crap. You know what I mean? All right, man. I love that line, but I did not put that down. That's The line three. I was going to give... That is The other funny. quote I was going to give was... How's that ass feel? The end. Because that just seals that the end of that episode for me. It's just a great way to end, end an episode. And I think that's... Those two quotes I really like. So I'm going to give that a six. Unfortunately, there's not enough quotes in here to go higher. You only found two quotes and you almost that gave I love. an eight out of ten. This is yeah. going to be a rough podcast. No. <laughs> well, I had more on here, but then, not, then I'm thinking like these these just made me laugh. I don't know if anyone else liked them. This kind of uh, Let's hear some of them. Um, a couple out there. When, when, Char- when Charlie um, quotes Ter- Terrell, I don't want to say because I'll get in trouble. Yes, yeah, so you R laugh again. at the hard R. Yeah, it's just it's just he doesn't he doesn't under it's just he's so ignorant about it. He doesn't know that he that what he's saying is wrong. And, and he even does throw up the air quotes himself. Yeah. So so it's just it's just to me it's that like subversive comedy, the stuff that's not really on the nose, but it kind of is. Trip Scampy. Yeah, so I'd just like to point out that um, we witnessed a very unsunny moment here uh, a second ago if you were paying attention. Someone listened to other people and then changed their mind based on, you know, listening to someone else, which I think is pretty crazy. I think I it's uh, responsible to listen to the facts first before I don't know, listening to judgment. Listening to someone and, like, hearing them really on, like, a level where you're like, huh, that's an interesting opinion. Aren't yeah, you a that's philosophy lame. person? Isn't that's logic lame. And... Lis- listening to other people is lame. Wait, what'd you say? <laughs> Are you even talking right now? So anyway, yeah, I guess I give this in terms of rating. Yeah, probably again, I'm gonna stick with my low-ish ratings. I mean, there are some good ones, so probably between four point nine and five point six. Um, you're, you're gonna make this math real difficult for us. There, you better have some calculators. There is. Oh, he does have a calculator. There's some good phone. quotes. Uh, don't say black. Don't say black. <laughs> like, uh, which goes back to the um, the debate between African American or black. Um, that whole thing about Dennis having an experiment. Oh, you had an experiment, and you want to go back to the way it was before the experiment. The bar. We had our experiment with the bar, and <laughs> why do you keep saying it like that? <laughs> so, and then there was no vote D. So that's like the start of them, you know, bashing D and. Yeah, those are really those are really some of the only stuff that um, stuck out to me. Real quick, since no one mentioned it, how they started off the episode when Terrell walks in. Hey, man, we're closed. Yeah, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We don't want any trouble. What? Guys, 
This is Terrell from my acting class. So I think that's pretty quotable just to start off the show. I mean, don't want any trouble. <laughs> that's I mean, what yeah. that's what I was saying earlier about um, you know the low rating I gave it. Like things like that. Yeah, they're funny and it hooks me and it's like oh, okay, they're doing a funny thing that no one else has really done before. Yeah. But at the same time, I really only have two or three quotes that you know stuck out to me. Honestly, the only other show I could see this kind of stuff being on would be All in the Family. A sh- like I don't know if you've ever watched that Great show show-o, back actually. from what was it like. Early seventies or something. Eighteen sixty four. Eighteen sixty four. Archie Bunker in eighteen sixty four yeah. and all in the family. Isn't that the Civil but War? No. Oh yeah. Eighteen sixty four. A really just like dumb live studio audience joke for like a really off color seventies show. Isn't that something. what Family Guy is based off? Family Guy family? was based off All in the Family, yeah. Based on. Fuck, I, I don't even know. You're based off being a jerk. Based on. Let's talk about what we think of the story of this episode. Because I give it a 6 out of 10. Pretty much I feel the same way I do about about the humor. Not my favorite, but I'm not going to say it's bad. 6 out of 10. Uh, I actually gave this one an 8 out of 10 for the story. I don't think that was like super creative or that many like plot twists. Just the way that they introduced all the characters. It's the first episode. You have to let everyone know who they are. So while doing that... And creating a story, I think, especially with the ending. How's that ass feeling? How's that ass feeling? And they, they never address it again. I think, I don't even know where I'm going with this at this point. Let's, just, let's skip past me on this one and I'll get back to that. Okay. Let it stew for a bit in your head. I think I give this one an eight on the story because I think that there are three big stories in this one episode. And what I like about the show is that all of them come together at the end. Um, you know, there's the A story, the racism, all, all the jokes and kind of racism and ignorance that comes along with that story. Then there's the the gay bar part of the story, which is them making money for the bar. And through that story, we get to see how they run their bar. And then there's the Charlie and Waitress part of the story. And I like how they all merge together, how Charlie brings in Terrell's sister to prove that he's not racist. And I just like how, and how we learn the characters through all these stories that come together in the end. Actually, y'all may be surprised by this, but uh, I think that in terms of story, you know, being the first episode, um, it there are episodes of It's Always Sunny, this included, where you're, you know, watching the last few minutes of it and they're wrapping it up and it's the conclusion and you're thinking like, how the fuck did we get here? Like, it started with some random guy walking into the bar, and now, you know, Dennis is getting slapped on the ass. <laughs> How's that ass feel? And, like, you're just thinking, like, how the fuck did we get here? So, yeah, I go ahead and give it a, in the high eights, between an eight and a nine. <laughs> I think Rob and Charlie, you'll see they wrote a lot of these original episodes. Which one's Rob? Uh, Mac. Mac. They Ronald McDonald. Ronald McDonald is Rob McElhenney. Um or other way around, I suppose. I think they're very good at uh being able to uh give you A and then Z leaves you completely confused and then B through Y are just absolutely insane. So what do you guys think of the characters? I'm gonna give it three out of ten just because they got a ways to go on this. Max too smart, Dennis is too dumb, D fights back, Charlie's not illiterate yet. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not I'm not liking it yet. I would have to agree. I'm gonna give it a four. Same thing. D's a little too confident, she's fighting back, same thing. Charlie doesn't seem like he's drugged out all the time. He 
seems like he's kind of there, even though he's not the most intelligent. He's aware of what's happening around him, and he's trying to help out as best as he can. And then, obviously, Mac, we're not sure if he's gay or not yet, but as far as the show's portraying him, he's a straight man as of now. For me, I give it a seven, mostly because I think that the characters are, are all written very well. Um, I think Dee is actually a really strong character, and I'm not trying to compare her too much to the, her, how she is in the future episodes. It's just like I'm not going to compare the rest of the characters as much. But also, all the characters aren't here. I know we're going to, I said not compare, but. And that's why I gave it a hard zero. And in fact, I'm giving this entire season a hard zero for characters because there's no Frank. Okay, sure. Sure, he's a big part of the show now. But I think that, first of all, this episode brings in the Charlie Waitress story pretty well. It talks about Dennis's vanity pretty well in a kind of like not upfront way. Um, it talks, I think Dee's a strong character. And I think that Mac, it brings up his whole inner conflict already in, this, in the beginning of the show. And it's just written very well for the character's sake. They all have their goals. They all know what they want. And I think they all kind of, the way they deal with in the show is, is what does it for me. Well, now we know how Shrimp Scampy feels about the I characters. will not be moved. That's fine. Zero out of ten for the he remainder of season one, I suppose. Last but not least, the namesake of the show, the wild card spot. Uh, six out of ten, zero justification for it. I'm just giving it a six out of ten on the wild card. I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Uh, I guess, yeah, I'll go with no justification since I think Adam's going to use my justification. So we'll let him take that away. Uh, I give it a... Um... An eight, because I think there are two great wild cards in this episode. Two moments of this episode that really bring it home for me in comedy aspect and they kind of seal the theme of the show. That is, unfortunately, the racist hard R that Charlie gives because it's, yep, unexpe- it it's unexpected for a pilot. And that, that is the unexpected part of the wild card that I expect yeah. for the show, or I assume. Uh, and then the one-liner at the end. How's that ask for you? That is a wild card that just explodes that episode for me. Shrimp Scampy, wild card it. <laughs> he gives it beak out of 10. So overall, what do you give this episode? I give it 5.7 wallet photos of the waitress out of 10. Are you still carrying a picture of her in your wallet? No. I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10, and if you know anything about fraction reductions, you might understand that joke. I'm doing math right now. I'm not very good at it. I give it a 7.4 Irish bars out of 10 Irish bars. 8 out of 12 you peoples. I don't like, I can't do quick math. It's too much pressure. Use the robot on your phone. <laughs> so after discussing all our ratings, this brings us to the list of lists, which is our personal rankings and the whole point of this podcast. By the end of it, the list of lists is going to feature every episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. We're also going to have a list to go next to it, which will feature what the fans think of it, what you, the listeners, think of each episode, uh, but for right now, we're just going to go off IMDb. So, IMDb, ladies and gentlemen, thinks, not thinks, the viewers think that uh, this episode is an 8.3 out of 10. We got 2.6 thousand votes, uh, 8.3 out of 10. We're a little more critical of it here. We gave an average score of 6.28 out of 10 for this episode. You can and never trust the people. I what mean, do you mean? The people, those Ooh, people. See, we we went over which this. people? The IMDb episode. People. The IMDb people. Can't trust. Oh, okay. A bunch of internet haters, or in this. That's case, we're likers. the internet. Haters. Well, eight point two is not technically. Not we're bad. the haters. Yeah. Well, I'm the hater. Yeah, you're definitely a hater. 
from Scampi. <laughs> yeah, but how many of them made a podcast about how they felt about it? That's a good point. We should get extra vote points for putting the work in instead of just typing something on a keyboard. Well, technically, we're typing things in the keyboard, too, as well. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, type into your keyboard, at AlwaysSunnyPod. Feel free to email us at AlwaysSunnyPod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about Season 1, Episode 1. Did we get it right? What did we get wrong? Are, are, we, are we stupid for trashing this episode? Or did we praise it too much? I don't know. Let us know what you think. Uh, go ahead and follow us online at anchor.fm slash rumham. There you can find all the links to our socials and you can listen to our previous episodes. Even though we don't have any previous episodes yet, this will be our first previous episode. I'm Say, a- Brayden, what podcast platforms are we on? Great question there, uh, 1920s Shrimp Scampi. <laughs> we are on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We are not on Stitcher yet. I'm working on that one. And we're on a handful of other miscellaneous platforms that you can all find at anchor.fm slash rumham. Can I find it at the local library? You can't find it at the local library because it's on the interweb. I don't have online. You can find the interweb at your local library, so go support your local library, I guess. Amen. Library cards are free, I think. I still believe. Brought to you by your local library. You guys still think libraries are real? That's cute. (laughs) Coming up next week, we'll discuss whether or not libraries are real, and we'll be discussing Season 1, Episode 2, Charlie Wants an Abortion. See you guys in a couple weeks.